listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer, episode 46 on Ed Reach. Low Tech Games at West Sacramento Prep. This is Ed Gamer for Saturday, March 31st, 2012. Ed Gamer is part of the Ed Reach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. Uh, you, Jerry? Yes? I think we need to now, just every time that we you know, have a guest on, yeah. the guest needs to say a big voice too. So l let's do this again, okay? Okay. Uh, Roland, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Ed Gamer is part of the Ed Reach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. Ooh. Oh, ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> it was a booming. That was very was... booming. Okay. Bam. This bam. This show is dedicated <laughs> to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We, we will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I am Zach. I'm Jerry. And our guest today is Roland Eichley. And Roland, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. I'm Roland Eichley, and I am an English and math teacher at West Sacramento Early College Prep Charter School in West Sacramento, California. California. Uh, Jerry? Uh, my name is Jerry James. I'm a visual arts teacher in Chambrig, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. So I, I would have to say thank you to both of you. Uh, we ran into some technical difficulties earlier in the day, and normally I'd have this show already basically online, ready to post at 6 o'clock tonight central time and that didn't want to happen because of uh, a software glitch a registration code that did not want to work hmm. so on that note uh, I will not name the other call recording <laughs> program that I had unless unless they give me hassle uh, but now I'm using call burner so thank you call burner for having a free trial to give you a little plug there call burner for free trial on uh, it's a Windows computer most people, I think, would say, just go to Mac, Zach, and then you wouldn't have to worry about it because it's all built right in. And, Roland, I, I, you are a Mac fan, aren't you? I am. Yeah, and basically... I, and that's a lowercase I am. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> yep. Wow. Just you, you saying that shows how much you are a fanboy. Indeed. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Okay, so today we have a few... Uh, just to let the, the listeners know that... Uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to have some uh, returning guests, and we're starting it off with a big bang with uh, Roland, and he's going to kind of share some stuff that he's he's doing and some likes that he has, especially with the first, uh, you know, I guess, discussion topic, which is pink. So when I say pink, you think what, Roland? Um, the pop music star? As we mentioned, she's kind of cute. And she's a pretty good singer, but that's not the education one. <laughs> no, I actually think of uh, Daniel Pink and what he writes about motivation. And can you kind of give us, because we've talked a little bit about this before, Jerry is a fan. Mm -hmm. uh, and so can you give us a little description of what Daniel Pink does and what he talks about and writes about? Right. Um, yeah, you guys had mentioned a few weeks ago uh, his book, Drive, which primarily and focuses just on motivation, what motivates people. Um, and I had a whole bunch to add to that conversation that you guys had started. Oh, okay. <laughs> Would you like to share that now? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so, but I think the, the quote that, you, that had sparked the conversation was something about creativity being stifled. Um, and to bring clarity to what Pink writes is that there's 
really kind of three versions of motivation. And he makes analogy to an operating system and how over evolution of man, it's upgraded. So you had your kind of motivation 1.0, if you will, which is your biological drive, you know, things that just you're forced to do. Um, you have motivation 2.0, which is like your extrinsic rewards. And as we, you know, develop socially as people, um, there was a reason not to steal someone's food. You know, there was bigger implications, uh, you know, that would motivate you to do something. And, and we're kind of stuck here. And what you see in our business model is this extrinsic kind of motivation where it's a carrot and stick and you're motivated by rewards and punishments. Um, but then he goes on to talk about how, you know, there's this kind of new evolving motivation 3.0, which isn't biological or extrinsic. It's uh, intrinsic and in that it's just more about like the, the path of getting there, just kind of figuring something out, doing something and the joy you get from that. Yeah. His um, books, his books play nicely off each other. If, if anyone's read his first one, which is why right, right brainers will rule the world. And cause in that book, <clears throat> he talks about the difference on how, you know, everything's getting, I, I mean the, the concept that everything, you know, that are simple tasks has been shipped overseas, has been around for a long time, but he's saying that that's going to get worse and worse by the fact that you can, you know, um, diagnose yourself on WebMD and, and, you know, then order medicine online, whether people should be doing that or not is a whole separate, separate agenda. But, you know, talking about that, he, he said in the drive book that it was kind of like the carrot and stick thing works for simple task. You know, as mm-hmm. long as it involves no cognitive development, the, the, the simple task works. You pay somebody more money to do things faster and they do things faster as long as it doesn't involve any thought and then as soon as you start to introduce thought which the reason that his other book is important is because he's saying that all the jobs that are going to be created now for companies involve that new cognitive type development you know that that new thought <clears throat> process that we have to do so if we if we have assembly line and I'm making a generalization because I, I and I'm just guessing assembly line workers today it's a lot different than what it is today than what it was 50 years ago but mm-hmm. that idea that okay I learn this specific job I add the the seat to the car I'm, I'm putting these bolts in yada 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 so you're putting this together and they're doing that over and over and over again and the value of that is that okay it's part of the car but it's I'm getting paid to do this mm-hmm. there's really not much more outside of that but that's not a good model for education you know and, and we know that uh, sir ken robinson talks about that we are basically creating you know manufactured items these students and standardized testing does that is does daniel pink so the question is does daniel pink talk about how we get out of that mode and into a mode where we're going to create better uh students uh, generally he, he he offers um i wouldn't say there's no package that's you know offered like try this and it will work. Right. Um, but he does lay some good ideas, I think. Um, and 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 even to back up Pink, he doesn't necessarily slam the carrot and the stick model of um, you know motivation. He thinks it has its place and it's the dominant sense, you know, way that we do things. But he also thinks um, it's if you're using carrot and stick, you're acknowledging that the task you're asking is boring. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're acknowledging that that there really isn't any other rationale other than this reward or punishment. Uh, for doing this task, and that's and I think that, what we're doing in schools now, and that's it. That's the thing, and and I wouldn't want to make my students do anything that I wouldn't want to do. You know, that's why you know I try to stay worksheet free. I don't, you know, 
if it's not something I would see meaning in, why would I have them do it? Um, and so he, you know, he kind of puts out this idea that there's three elements to this, you know, higher level of intrinsic motivation, and that is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's where you have to kind of take it and mold it yourself and figure out how it fits into education. Um, he does a really good job of showing how businesses are doing it. Yeah, yeah. There, there's great stuff. You know, he talks about. Um, I think there was one, and we talked about that the RSA video. You know, the 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 animate. You know, where they, right. they draw on yep. the little whiteboard. And uh, one of the coolest parts that I thought about that was he he was talking about um, how how the reasons why people do things. You know, why why do people learn to play a musical instrument on the weekends when it's not going to earn them any money it's not going to do anything else we do it for the love of mastery because you get a reward for doing that you know no mm-hmm. other reward um and then it, the, the coolest thing that he talked about on the business level was saying that taking people that they had normal jobs and we're in this kind of carrot and stick type thing and then once a week giving them the opportunity to work on or once a month or whatever it was you know work on on one project with absolutely no rules just the concept of kind of um, I'm middle management, and I'm going to get out of your way. I'm going to allow you to work on, on you know, whatever you want. You can come up with the, the craziest idea. You can collaborate with other people. The only rule is you have to share it with the rest of the company when you're done. And, you know, not share it in, like, a PowerPoint presentation, but share it in, like, a, they said, you know, like, a, you know, everybody's around, enjoying themselves, food, drink, whatever. And, and you're talking about new ideas. And they said that's where, like, all these new ideas that had never existed came from is when mm-hmm. people did this just to explore their own beings. When people find, you know, like uh, the people that created, um, I think he used uh, Linux and he used uh, Wikipedia as examples, people creating things when it's not their job, creating things, spending their hard work time, and then giving them away for free. You know, because that's not a business model. That doesn't exist in De- business definitely education. Definitely not. Yeah, and, and so we have to think about, you know, how does that translate to, to our education? Well, it makes us think outside of of our own systems then our our grading system is our grading system motivating or is it that motivation 2.0 is it that you better do this or else you know how do we move into that motivation 3.0 and allow students to to look at the things they want to look at and jerry you're you're really in a in a field within education that really builds upon that intrinsic value i Uh, you know yeah, I'm actually I, I'm very critical of my field right now, only because I think um, it's too, too. It, it for years in public schools has been bombarded into proving itself that it 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 spent so much time saying, look, here's how we can assess art, and here here's how we can here's how we can give it a grade, and here's how we can you know make everyone standards based, and here's how we can do all this stuff because we wanted to make ourselves important in a time of testing, which, let's be honest, we're still not. You know, they haven't gotten rid of us. But in a time of testing, we have, like, the golden ticket in my eyes. Like, now is the time. Let's go out and fail. Let's go out and try the craziest stuff that's going to motivate kids, that's going to, you know, make kids want to do things. Let's do storytelling through video. Let's do, you know, video games. Let's do absolutely anything because there's really no one watching over us right now. You know, as opposed to I feel bad for for subjects, you know, English, uh, sciences, and mathematics when you're so stuck on results based on those tests. Because, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm at a unique time 
where that's not happening right now. No one's looking over my shoulder and telling me where I should be. But I think so many people in my field are still stuck in that, like, well, we got to make sure we're important in the age of testing. I say we go the right. other way. Let's explore this stuff. You know? yeah. so, so how does this relate to the both of you? How does this relate to, you know, games and learning? Well, so interesting. Yeah, I was really on that same issue or the episode that you talked about pink. You had mentioned your XP system in the classroom. Right. Um, and my immediate question was, so is the XP a carrot and a stick? Is it the kids are doing it for you know, the sake of the XP points, or is it the task that they're into? Right? Is it intrinsic, or are they after the, the extrinsic? And I know you kind of were, you seem to be asking yourself those own questions. Oh, yeah, totally. In the episode. And, yeah, and it's in, I, I see it, and I can see it in both ways. I see, I see certain students that really get excited, hey, I got to the next level. And that's mainly, I guess you guys would see it, is a carrot and stick. Um, but, you know, are they really growing on the inside from the tasks that they're doing? And that's, that's the question. See, I, I think there's a difference, too. There, there's so many fine lines, and this is what happens when you translate from a business model to an education model. But even looking at it pink-wise, maybe, Zach, if you handed out pieces of paper and said, okay, this is worth one XP if you complete it. And if you don't complete it, I'm taking away an XP. You know, that is kind of carrot and stick. Mm -hmm. Or if you said, like, kids, here's the things you can do to get to this higher level. And, and you had kids that were working outside of class, finding out, you know, researching these things and, and then moving themselves on because they wanted to be, because let's be honest, it, I mean, even, even in Pink's theory, the concept of doing something for self-fulfillment is still kind of a carrot, right? I mean, you're doing it because you want to make yourself feel better. So that's, it's still kind of chasing after a carrot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and there was also some other things I picked up on. Um, there's a teacher on Emoto I'm connected with, and I think I've heard at least Zach mentioned it, Mr. Daly. <laughs> yeah. Um, he put out a publication on kind of you know gamifying the classroom, right. and you know this is something I'm trying to figure out for my curriculum with language arts. Um, how do I gamify it but not turn it into a carrot and stick? Um, but he points out there's lots of elements to gamifying, it, and so choice and option being paramount. Yeah. Um, and so I think that if it's just the XP in isolation, it becomes an easy carrot and stick. But in you know, but if there's choice and options and pathways for mm -hmm. you know students to take, it it takes away some of the you know, the Motivation 2.0, if you will. Well, one of the biggest problems that I had looking at this, and I, you know, separating myself from, you have certain tasks or things that the kids are doing that I give XP to. And I might give XP for, a, for an assignment, but it's not the grade. You know, I see some, there's college professors that actually use an XP system as a grade, and I can't, I can't do that. My, my philosophy does not match up in that. I look at a grade, and I look at it, is it mastery? Is it strong? Is it okay? Is, does it need improvement? That's how I look at, you know, my grading. And that's Rick Wormley. I don't know if you know who Rick Wormley is. But that's kind of, and there's several others out there that have the same mindset. You know, I look at each individual student. I look at each assignment that they complete and I give a grade based upon that. I could have two assignments that are very similar, but I could give different grades based upon who the student is. And that's that's a total shift 
um, I'm not worried as much about the grade as I am about their growth. So XP does show growth, but when I'm putting a grade in, I can't I can't do it that way. At least I haven't figured out a way to do that. Um, so that, that's school. That's school. That's our system limiting a lot of things, though. You know, I mean, like I would love to, because I've heard arguments for and against the, you know, getting rid of grades yeah. altogether, and, mm -hmm. and and you can agree with it either way. But right now, we don't really have much of a choice. Right. Of, <laughs> I'm trying to. As long in. as your college system is still based on a right. a grade point average entry, then then you really don't have any other choice. Right. You know, I, I think it's pretty interesting what you asked though how how do games fit into this motivation i think you see a huge shift in in games in these motivations too i mean games used to be very carrot and stick you win or you lose right but now a lot of these like online games like world of warcraft and when you're developing your character you know when you're creating your character you're seeing different motivations you're seeing people complete things yes because they want you know they might be completing tasks because they want a better character or because they want a, to reach a higher level but they can do it in different ways than other people based on, you know, how that is. So I think you're seeing more more advanced gaming moving from that carrot and stick away from that as well. Yeah, it, it's it's very, it's tough. You know, I'm, I'm, I want the kids, students to complete a task. I can give them experience points based upon that. I have some students that will go above and beyond and do something on their own because they thoroughly enjoy it. And I'll give XP for that. So, you know, there's different ways of, of, of doing that. The one system that I've seen that kind of does what takes me a long time to do, and that's keeping track of experience points, which is difficult. Doing it, keeping track of it, and then giving them rewards. And your rewards have to be done very quickly. And I struggle to do that each day because I have the experience points. They see their experience points at the beginning of the hour. They don't see it until the next day, and then I put badges on Edmodo, and that it's not done instantaneously, and I wish there was a way that I had to do that, and there's one system that I've seen, and that's the 3D Game Lab, and it totally fits into what Pink talks about with, you know, giving choices. I could have the students learn about the geography of Greece, and maybe I come up with three different methods. One could be that they draw a map. Another could be that they write a report. Another could be that they create a, a, a computer model or, or, or something. You know, they, they you could give them different paths and different styles and methods of learning and I can give them experience points and I can give them grades based upon uh, whatever tasks they choose to do. But the choice is that's huge. And yeah. I guess that's what Pink talks about. Uh, no, no, the choice was more for Mr. Daly's document on gamifying the classroom. Um, so, there's not, no, there, so there's no choice involved in what Pink <laughs> talks about? Well, I think Pink talks about not so much choice, but autonomy. Okay. Uh, and how you spend your time and how you task yourself, the techniques you choose to use, um, how you work in teams. Um, so not so much the choice as it is, you know, regulation and, well, I guess it's all the same. Yeah, I, I think there's some similarities there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's an interesting. It's it's a hard sell going from 2.0 to 3.0 from the carrot and stick to the autonomy in in education because education is always so far behind kind of the the business world. You know, when you when you can be exciting and new and cutting edge in the business world because you're allowed to fail, you can't do that in education. I mean, you guys do PBIS, right? Yes, PBIS. Pebus, yes. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, essentially it's a carrot and stick thing. Isn't it, it? Is. Like, it's, 
I mean, I could see it as you trying to force people in to 3.0. You know, it's, it's like taking you from that gap of like, hey, we're going to keep rewarding you if you do this. Um, but the, the problem with what Pink said, and, and he mentions this, is that when you, when you do that and then the rewards don't keep getting bigger, when you keep rewarding the same behavior yeah. but the rewards don't get bigger, then eventually the rewards become useless. And some arguments for PBIS is the fact that you're rewarding for things that should be done already. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know many people who feel that. Yeah, so that's that's kind of that. So, okay, anything else about pink and experience points? I think that was pr pretty good. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's not bad. Yeah. Okay, and hopefully we'll have some listeners that want to chime in. That would be wonderful to hear Especially from Especially if it's Dan Pink. Especially if it's Dan Pink. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there, there's a guest we, we try to get. <laughs> next yeah. week. On that next note. week, yes. Uh, okay, so the next thing we want to talk about, because is as Roland talked about, uh, he's a he's a Apple fanboy. <laughs> and he was asking about, hey, how's your iPads doing in your classroom? And uh, I, I sadly have to say that uh, my district has gone into a different direction. And we are going to use uh, netbook slash kind of a beefed up netbook. Uh, actually, not a bad choice if we were, you know, since going this route. Uh, and we're not bringing in the uh, iPads. So basically, I was told we sent out letters to parents. Um, you know, our teams did and our principal did about saying, hey, we're going to get some iPads and then mm -hmm. end up not getting them. Um, I feel more for the students than I do anybody else. I'm thoroughly disappointed and upset, but it's things happen. Um, I just hope that we can get this device that we're supposed to get this fall for one-to-one, -one, if we can get that into our classrooms here very quickly, and I think they're trying to do that. So the, the other positive, um, uh, I'm just sitting here, if I have to think about it, if I should say it or not, I probably shouldn't say it, should I? Nope, probably not. Probably not. Okay, so we're going to move on from that one. <laughs> rating, probably should. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll just stop it right there. So I'm, I'm disappointed and I'm excited at the same time. Uh, Disassided? Yeah, something like that. You know, there's some, there's tons of games on, on the iPad. Expointed? Sorry, I'm still trying. You're to still that. working Just, on that one, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's I'm I'm disappointed, and yeah, I just said that, didn't I? See, Jerry, see what you're doing to me. It's a new word. Thank you. Yeah. But there's certain games that I would like to use in a classroom that I can't use on the iPad, and uh, so I'm I'm excited in that respect that I'll be able to play some of these games and be able to run them on this on this uh, netbook. Because I actually do. It's it's actually a very nice netbook. So once it's all official, I'll release which one it is, and all of you, I'll put a link out there too. Um, like I said, I was I was surprised that uh, it performs as well as it does, and it has good battery life, which Roland and I were talking about before is one of That's the huge crucial. reasons yeah. for an iPad. You you don't have to worry about plugging it in during the day as long what as they have it charged. Do you know how many how many uh, like the length of the the program they're trying out here. I mean, is it going to be like a year or two years? Because your, you know, the device could, you know, if it's, it's going to be like a seven-year trial, then that's a pretty serious. What do you try? Well, we've tried out different devices okay. uh, throughout within our district throughout the year, and this is, you know, I don't know if I don't think this specific device has been used, 
but it is an upgrade on a big upgrade on some of the other devices that are used. Yeah. And that's you know that's a positive. That's what that's why I think we always got stuck. And this is obviously something where we're in a four-year school, so it's like how do you how, what at what point do you continue your update? Yeah, you know, I see you, what you're saying. Does uh, a kid have an iPad for four years, or yeah. are they going to get one new one each year? You check them in, check them out. You know, where, where right. does that come in? So we have six graders. We're six okay. or eight. So six graders will get it next year. <clears throat> Then the next sixth grade group will get it. So seventh graders will have it the year after that, and then so on and so forth. So it's, it'll be a three-year cycle. I'm mm -hmm. guessing when they get to the high school, there would be another uh, device given at that time. Um, I don't know how that works out. For I was going to say, are you in the same? Are you in a consolidated district, or are you in a Unif separate district? Yeah, we're district? A unit, uh, unified district, so we're K through 12. So, yeah, so was that decision made with the high school in mind? Because, I mean, are you going to hand them devices in middle school and nothing in Back uh, to paper, kids. Right now, it's it's just <laughs> looking like sixth grade. And wow. the, the here's the tough part, though. And you guys know from you're both high school, correct? I mean, Jerry is Roland. You're high school. Or you're, We're middle school and high school. school. Oh, okay, so you're a mix. So the problem is at our high school is that there's only a handful of teachers that teach freshmen. So you give these devices to freshmen, and there's only a few teachers that would interact with them. Mm -hmm. Then these freshmen are taking other classes with sophomores and maybe even juniors. So they're taking devices in to a class that other students might not have a device either. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, I have a mix. I have a, you know, yeah. I have classes that have seniors through freshmen. So how so to that do that? I don't awkward. know. Yeah. That's uh somebody's somebody needs to figure that out. That's a good point too cuz even if we got different devices from year to year, you know, you would have I would have levels of kids with different devices in the same class. You would hope Never thought of that. You would hope that the device wouldn't be, it could be an upgrade, right? but you not, not too, too different. drastically different, but you and, never know. And the other thing that we talked about, too, is that our digital art and other classes like that, they would probably have to, they would have to keep their desktops or whatever they're using in those classrooms because using something, well, you use Second Life or if you're mm -hmm. using um, Yeah, we, we would have to keep our labs. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to see Photoshop running. I mean, I, I guess it could. <laughs> I mean, if well, it's running, it, it, I saw test trials with, I saw people playing Skirm and, um, uh, you know, what was the other one? Uh, Knights of the Old, uh, Knights of the, what is it? Star Wars, The Old Republic. I was, Knights of the Old Republic, that was the older, the older game. So the online game is actually can be played on this. So, and World of Warcraft could be played on it. So I'm guessing that it, it could be okay to run uh, some of those programs. Digital video, I'm guessing not so much. Yeah. That just, it's too much too much CPU and memory. Yeah, but, there's there's a lot of storage that goes yeah. into that. So, you know, the, like I said, I'll release some details of what that is later. Um, but we, you know, we named the show Low Tech. <laughs> so <laughs> we're finally getting to that point where we're getting a little bit low tech. So, Roland, what what are the things that you're doing in your, in your classroom that is low tech? So uh, last time we spoke, we talked about the video game review class. Yeah. And how students were gaming and writing and posting their reviews online, and that class has taken a break this semester for what we call our student leadership classes, where um, so far it's only just been our 11th graders, which is our oldest grade right now, next year they'll be our 12th graders. They will approach the staff, uh, a team of students, and kind of pitch an idea for a class they want to teach, uh, and then if there's enough support for it, we organize the class, the kids map out the curriculum, uh, they run the show, and we have an adult in the back who is there for, you know, 
legal reasons, but then also works with the student leaders to help them with their curriculum and how to, you know, build community and all these other things. Um, and the reason I put video game review on hold was for two students who want to start a Yu-Gi-Oh dueling class. Whoa. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge culture of it at our school. Um, and it's boomed. Like I would say the amount of kids you see dueling out during breaks and lunches has maybe even doubled since the year started. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the class being in session and it, you know, being now part of the school culture officially. Yeah. Um, so explain Yu-Gi-Oh! Because some people are out there like, are they just playing, you know, blackjack? Or are they what, they're playing poker? What, what's, what's Yu-Gi-Oh! So I will honestly tell you that the entire semester I've been in this class and I have yet to be able to fully answer that question. Um, <laughs> it is, it's complex. It's, it's, it is. So it's, 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 it's not unlike magic in the sense that it's, you, know, you have these cards, um, they have attacks, they, they will take um, points away from their opponent. And depending on how you play these cards can you know, set off chain reactions and other kinds of things within the game. So there's some you know, surface level math of you know, addition and subtraction, but then also you know, creative thinking in, in terms of how you play your cards. There's, but there's so many nuances. I have yet to become a Yu-Gi-Oh! master. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you have Yu-Gi-Oh! masters. Uh, indeed. And so um, what was interesting is we started noticing that these kids come to this class with some pretty strong... Uh, claims about the decks that they hold. So they'll be like, well, I have 40 cards. I need three of this card. I need four of this card and five of this card. Uh, and when I shuffle it, I know that my, you know, I'm set. I'll, I'll be good to go. And I wouldn't want an extra one of this card because that would take away the benefit of this other card that I could put in my deck. Um, and so as we started you know, dialoguing at staff meetings, we realized this is a potential for us to kind of break into the math world and become more autonomous and more uh, engaged in mastery and See if they can find math within this to back up their claims. Um, and so, so, go ahead. So, what have you found so far? Well, we just launched into this about a week ago. What happened was I actually um, removed myself from the classroom, and our math teacher has come in to take over uh, to make this much more full blown. And uh, and he's actually a much more advanced dueler than I am, so it works <laughs> well. Um, and so he's kind of right now in the stages of just talking with these students. Uh, dueling with them, asking them what their conjectures are, and documenting those. Uh, and the following steps are going to be, can we, can we find math inside of this to prove our claims? So probability. So as you say you have 40 you know, cards and you stack, it, stack your deck this way, why do you say you would stack it differently if you had 20 cards? Wouldn't you just you know, proportionalize it? And So the, and we're not sure where it's going to go, and that's kind of the exciting thing. Uh, we're just going to see if we can pull the math out of it. The first thing that comes to mind is... A while back, I saw uh, somebody put together a character builder, like within Excel, and basically mapping out the best progression using math and what weapons and armor, the whole the whole gamut of you know how to how to create the best character. But they were using math to do it, and they were putting in in Excel. And it makes me wonder. I wonder if somebody's done that. I'm sure somebody's done that with Yu-Gi-Oh. Of how I'm, I'm sure. to yeah. do that math-wise. So I don't know if you have anybody within your um, within your school that understands Excel. I I find ex you know I was not very good in math in middle school. It wasn't until I really started teaching that I really started enjoying math. But taking those taking the numbers and what the kids do and being able to map that out and chart it, Excel is very powerful. Um, and be neat to see how the kids 
come up with a maybe a uh, hypothesis and then trying to prove that using Excel or using math. They wouldn't even have to use the program, but using math to figure that out. Yeah, and, and so that's exactly what we're doing, not necessarily bringing Excel into the picture yet. But, you know, these claims they're making, we're treating as their hypotheses. Yeah. Um, and seeing if we can find math to back it up. You know, our, our system or our program really hinges on getting the kids to be, you know, metacognitive and answer the question, how do you know what you know? So if you claim that this is the best way to order your, you know, your cards to win, how do you know that's true? Prove, Prove it. it. Yeah. Prove it. Um, and so, and with that revelation, I took that idea and incorporated it into my math class with my middle school kids. And what I have them doing on the side is the same thing, but in the opposite order. They're really into the card game speed. And if you don't know what it is, just I would look it up online. Um, they play this game all the time out on the playground on the tables and it's just constantly going. And so what I'm allowing them to do is play the game, but when they're done, they pick up the cards that have been played and record the order in which they were played. And right now we're just collecting gobs and gobs of data. And then I'm going to have them go through and look for patterns and make them make these conjectures based off the patterns, mm-hmm. which, is, which would be the opposite approach of what the Yu-Gi-Oh! class is, which is they have their you know, conjectures first and then trying to find math to back it up. Right. These kids are looking at the data and making conjectures based off of that. So they're going the uh, opposite way. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's pretty exciting that you know, it's, it's a new movement. Our big thing, you know, we're, very, we're project-based uh, as a curriculum on the whole, and math has been the one piece we haven't been able to incorporate. Um, everything else very much melds well together, but math tends to become an island. It's, it's been difficult for us to break free of the traditional ways. So we're excited to see where it leads. No, that's, that sounds very cool. Um, like I said, I, I would suggest if somebody has any uh, knowledge of Excel or even search for that, I bet you could find um, if, you know, kids use it, creating Excel spreadsheets based on Yu-Gi-Oh. I think that would yeah. be a great way to prove, you know, do some proofs. So that sounds very cool. Yeah, you're going to have to keep us up to date on that and how that's working out. So yeah, for are there, sure. Are there any other games, uh, low-tech games that you guys are using, or is Yu-Gi-Oh the one? That would be it. We're just, it's been this big sweep of just playing cards, whether it be Yu-Gi-Oh! or Speed or other card games. They've really latched on, which is, you know, it shatters everything I think about, you know, oh, if I, as long as I bring in technology, these kids are going to hook in. No. Uh, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you bring a deck of cards, and it, you know, it brings it all back. <laughs> no, I have, I have some wonderful board games. Um, and, yeah, I guess you could say that's some type of tech. You know, it's a tool, and the kids thoroughly enjoy. I'm still trying to get kids to, it's tough with the time allotment that I'm given, to teach them how to play Settlers of Catan, which is a wonderful board game. Very uh, high-level thinking uh, to be able to play that game. And then there's one that we've talked about before, Jerry, Word on the Street. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just a fun, fun game. It's from Out of the Box Games. I don't know if you've ever seen Apples to Apples, Roland. I love that game. It's the same company (laughs) that does that. And uh, they have a lot of good games, but this one's called Word on the Street. And uh, it's, it's a blast. The kids thoroughly enjoy playing that. And then I, they have me come over to be a judge on if you know, a word was correctly spelled or if, that's, if it fits, with what the, fits within the rules. So that's a fun one. Well, um, anything else on what we've talked about so far? We good? Good. <laughs> the silence. The silence. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to finish it up here. We're going to. I'd like to do each week uh, new games that are coming out. I know we've talked about some of these before, and then uh, maybe a tech or 
or something that's out there, but I had to share this because I was on spring break this week and uh, ran across, of course, the one we've talked about before, Star Wars Connect, which is coming out this coming week, I think April 3rd or April 2nd or something like that. And uh, we'll put the, the website on the, in the show notes, and there's some funny, funny videos. I don't know. Have you guys seen these Connect videos? No. The, oh, wait. The Star yes, Wars Connect? I have. The guy we'll, with the bathroom? Yeah. Yeah, there's, <laughs> they have, uh, you, in the commercial, it's a guy playing Obi-Wan, and he's in the Death Star fighting against Darth Vader, and he's, you know, basically letting Darth Vader kill him, you know, in the scene where he turns, disappears and turns into a ghost. But um, he's basically, it's it's just this Joe Schmo guy in his bathrobe, and uh, it's it's quite funny. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. And then Age of Empires, which we talked about, a while back they have an online version and that just came out last week so I'm interested in looking at that especially since we're going with netbooks I would actually be able to do that I don't know if I'd be able to do that on the iPad or not so that's that's a positive so check that out and then attack here is the Eneloop batteries from Sanyo and I am unsure where I heard about these batteries before but uh, they Basically, in one year, regular rechargeable battery, and the whole purpose of this, because, you know, I have game controllers in my house, <laughs> and we're constantly changing batteries, and I have rechargeable batteries, just regular rechargeable batteries for those. I guess they lose about half their charge in one year. Well, the Eneloop batteries lose, uh, I think they go down to 85%, and then 75% after two years or three years, and you can recharge them uh, 1,500 times. So that is a large increase in capacity and what can happen and how long you can use them uh, over regular conventional batteries. So if you have a lot of Xbox controllers or any other type of controllers, you <laughs> might want to look at these. And uh, I'll have the link on there also. So thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach network. Have a great week. Two days ago, I was on flight twenty-one twelve, and I thought, "Oh, <gasps> seriously? Do you have a? You have the ticket? <clears throat> yeah, still got the ticket. I'll save it for you. That would be awesome. <laughs> awesome, Roland. I'm a big yeah. Rush fan. Not Limbaugh, but Rush is in the you know the band. Yep. Yeah, they have an album twenty-one twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Roland's like, I really don't need to hear any of this. <laughs> <laughs>